tip in the air, caught by the Bengals. AJ Green. It's complete. Caught by Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Touchdown. Remarkable. Oh, oh, it's That's William Jackson. No one near him. Uh, it's going to go to Mixon, dancing around, edging to the right, inside the five, high-stepping into the end zone. Here's the first time, Burrow to the end zone, wide open, touchdown, it's Higgins. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Who Day Talk podcast. I'm Jake Circus. Joined alongside me is Bengals Sands, also known as Mike, Blake Jay and Braden unable to make it because they're lame. It's very early right now, but there is there is no clock for recording. It's very early though, very very early. But uh, it's it, it's been a busy week, and we we've been talking all week about doing a podcast, and this is the time where the the most of us are able to record. But since how you doing on this very early morning? <laughs> I'm good. It's only like 8.30. I have to wake up at yeah. like 6 o'clock for work most days, so <laughs> this is fine. Really <laughs> um, yeah, just blame uh, Jay for if we are early be- and uh, either one of us have some fumblings or we don't sound great because he said, let's record at 8. I can record at 8, and then he couldn't. <laughs> it is 7 for me, just to point that out. Not 8, it is 7 for me, but... Bengals, uh, Bengals had an interesting week. They lost their two of their three best defensive players, and they signed a boatload of players. And the Bengals fan did not like them, and they liked them, and now they they didn't like them, and now they do like them. So it's been a a, a roller coaster week. We're gonna break it down. Let's first talk about um, let's talk about Carl Lawson. So we knew that it would be tough to re-sign him, and then when they didn't, we were like, okay, that sucks. But the fact that they let Carl Lawson go, said that it was their number one priority, and then signed Trey Hendrickson for the same amount of money per year, and then gave him an extra year, it just left us with a, with a bad taste in our mouth. Looking at Carl Lawson's uh, a, a contract, three years, $45 million. The kicker, though, stands $30 million guaranteed. We knew the Bengals were not, were not going to dish out that much guaranteed money, but... They guaranteed 10 to Trey Hendrickson. Lawson got 30. It's it's tough losing that type of player for a couple extra guaranteed dollars, especially when their cap hit is going to be very similar for the life of the contract. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm not going to pretend to be a cap expert, but it just seems like we don't give out the guaranteed money for whatever reason. Um, And... I think Carl's a better player than Trey, but yeah. not Trey's not a bad player. Um, I've put up a thread of all of our free agents so far. If you wanted to check that out on my profile, Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, and you can see Trey. He's he's not as refined with his hands, but he almost wins in a similar way for his main move. Where Carl loved doing that long arm stab, speed to power. And what Trey does is speed to power, but he does two arms because he doesn't have long arms. So he tries to get in them with both arms. And uh, you'll counter that with a swipe sometimes when they're getting ready for the bull rush. And what the only real thing, that's kind of a change up to me. The only thing I think that he needs to add is a real counter for when he's not throwing a change up like the swipe. He's trying to come with speed to power 
and they're ready for it because he'll just get locked down usually if that happens. But if he could add like a, a club swim back inside or even if he wanted to swipe inside, um, anything to just add something for when he does lose the initial battle. Because that's something Carl had uh-huh. and that's something we'll be missing against better offensive tackles. And the the, the defensive line as a whole is, is still... It's still a work in progress because even if Carl Lawson did stay, they still would need to add at least one, maybe two, maybe even three more pieces on that D line. They got Larry Ogunjobi. We'll talk about that that next because I think every every Bengals fan loved that move, including both of us. Um, so that was fun. But Hendrickson, a year older, you know, the, this team's trying to get younger. They did get younger in the secondary. Um, they're getting more experience on the offensive line, but. Overall, this this deep line is still a work in progress. But some notes on Hendrickson's contract: four years, sixty, with uh, sixteen million total guaranteed, a ten million dollars signing bonus, and then um, his first year base salary is also guaranteed. Now, this is what they did. So they, I don't like this because yes, they did not get the guaranteed money, but they. they the year one cap hit, just over $12 million. Now, they didn't do this with Awuzi, with Hilton, with, um, what's the sign? That, that's, that, that's about it because um, everyone else has been one-year contracts. They gave him a roster bonus for the first two years, which goes against the year one cap hit a lot. A $6 million roster bonus, instead of just adding $6 million to the signing bonus, which means that that would have brought his uh, his year one cap hit down from twelve million to um, to about eight and a half million, eight and a half nine million. So I don't necessarily like what they did. Same thing with this, the the twenty twenty two roster bonus, also a six million dollar roster bonus. That cap hit would have went down from like fourteen five to about eleven, and then the cap hit would have just been larger for twenty three and twenty four when it's easier to cut him anyway, which is probably what's going to happen. I doubt Trey Hendrickson sees the end of this contract. But they learned, they did it with Awuzie, they did it with Hilton, the low year one cap hit. They got Awuzie and Hilton for less in year one than what William Jackson's going to get paid, which is great because Mac Alexander's also leaving. So basically what happened is the Bengals are adding three corners, if you include Trey Waynes, and they're, and they're losing two. So cornerback... Depth was a huge problem last year. I, I I go back to that Steelers game when cornerback two, three, four, and five were all out. It was William Jackson, it was Tony Brown, and I think it was LaShawn Sims. Like that was no, it went uh, further than that. Jalen um, Davis, Jalen Davis, Davis so Sims was out. It was Jalen, Jalen Davis, Tony Winston Brown, Winston Rose. And, yep, yep. We we were on our other than Willie, we were on our cornerback six and seven. So now Willie's gone. We're looking at okay, we would have been on cornerback six, seven, and eight that game against Pittsburgh, and, you know, that game was terrible, but, so, a- adding some more depth, so, insert in Awuzie to play the outside, insert in um, Hilton in the slot, and then also add back Trey Waynes, who's the highest paid player on this team, by over a million dollars and a half, so he he has to be efficient, or else that just move, that move is just going to look so bad, because already we, we know, okay, that, that, that money that we paid Trey Waynes could have went to us keeping William Jackson, and then the money that was wasted on Trey Waynes last year because he was injured kind of sucked. But Waynes making over, uh, or his cap at just under $16 million 
for 2021 with his um, actual cash being um, around around 50 million. So, Sans, what, what do you have to say about where our cornerback room is right now? Because we're going to talk about Awuzie, we're going to talk about Hilton in a second, but kind of talk about how our cornerback room is, has really transformed over the last three days. Yeah. Um, so, to be honest, I thought the uh, Trey Wayne's contract last year was a bit of an overpay. Not egregious, but it was like, oh, I'd want to give this money to Will, not Trey. I thought Trey would make $9 million or $8 million. Because um, <clears throat> I see him and Awuzie as kind of similar players. I actually like Awuzie a little bit more, but I think Awuzie is going to be our second corner. Not that it matters, I think. With our scheme, right. we're not going to shadow anybody with these guys. Uh, th- I think it's fine. Our cornerback room's fine. Uh, we spent a lot of money, but uh, Phillips is a great cornerback four. I thought he could have been a fine cornerback three, to be honest. I don't think everybody agrees with me on that. <laughs> but um, he can play the slot. He can play outside. So uh-huh. he's a he's kind of a mover. Uh, you can put him, if one guy misses, you can just slot Phillips in. Um, Trey, he's... Uh, kind of strong. I don't want to say he's bigger because he kind of looks bigger on film, but I feel like I'm going to say that he's turned out to be five foot eleven or something. But he plays pretty bigger. Uh, he likes to press and do things like that. And that's kind of the opposite of Awuzie, where I think he's not good at press. He's really good at playing off and catch. And then Hilton, I mean, he's going to be fun. Uh, he lacks a little bit in coverage, especially in man. He's a better zone corner, but they played a lot of man in Pittsburgh, and we can play man still, even without Will. Uh, but he's going to be a lot of fun. I think he studies the offensive line for snap counts. That's the only thing I can come up with, or maybe the quarterback, because he times that up like an elite defensive lineman. Like He's in coverage. He looks like he's in coverage pre-snap. And then once the quarterback goes to snap, he's sprinting, full yeah. sprint. It's awesome. He doesn't get offsides too very like very often, so it's uh, it'll be fun. He's gonna get some sacks. He's one of our best pass rushers somehow. But <laughs> um, how how crazy is that? Because you know, signing Mike Hilton, we are like, okay, he's gonna add to the pass rush because that's what he did great at in Pittsburgh. He, he was great at uh, at rushing and attacking the quarterback. We have about one person on our defensive line who's able to consistently attack the quarterback. If you don't count Sam Hubbard, who you shouldn't count Sam Hubbard because Sam Hubbard is not a great pass rusher. You know, Hubbard will get some snaps because he's great against the run, and we need that, especially in the AFC North. But Bengals need to add some pass rushers, and Mike Kilt might be our third best pass rusher. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so fun, though. Like, I think Bengals fans are going to love him. Uh, and he, he's a really tough dude that fits the run really well. Uh, there's so many plays watching him on film where the he, there's like an offensive lineman pulling towards him and he just dips underneath him and still makes the tackle or takes the contact, makes the tackle. It's awesome. It's really cool to see. Um, but yeah, the, I think our cornerback room's fine. I do think Hilton's a little bit of an upgrade over um, Mackenzie Alexander yeah. in general. Alexander probably a little bit better of a cover guy, but Hilton adds so much more everywhere else. And uh, I think, I mean, it's hard to judge. Is Awuzie an upgrade over cornerback two? Because that was Darius Phillips last year. It's like, yeah, um, but cornerback two last year is supposed to be Trey Wayne's. I don't know who's an upgrade. They're about the same. I think 
the only thing that's telling me in this cornerback room is that we were probably 60-40 man last year, and I think we're going to move to 50-50 man zone. Uh-huh. And I think that's fine. Uh, the main thing to me is that we play single high gapped out like that because the one time we didn't play single high, we played two high versus Baltimore week 17 and gave up 400 rushing yards. Yeah, that 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 that's what surprised me. Like changing everything up for Baltimore. Um, what was Phillips our corner, our everyday corner too? He was outside. Uh, I mean, you unless you want to count Jeez. talent wise, maybe I guess you could say Mac- Mackenzie Alexander was better. But right, oh, I forgot. Yeah, because I, I'm looking at his counts right now. He played wide majority week one, two, and three. Then mostly in six and seven. Then missed nine through thirteen. Yeah, he had, he had an injury. Thing. Yeah, right. And then and then finishes the finish the season strong. So weeks nine through thirteen, that was that was very new with the Burrow injury. Who was playing outside corner for Deshaun us? Deshaun Sims. Oh my god. Yes, the, ben- the Bengals did good this offseason. Adding an extra corner. They 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 net added an extra corner and Phillips is still there. Although Phillips is probably gonna leave this offseason, which he still might not because the Bengals really need that depth, and Phillips has not proved that he deserves a major uh, a major payday. So I would keep Phillips around for four million if if he plays well this year in a depth role, unless someone wants to sign to be a starter, especially if he's going to be our new punt returner because Erickson's gone. Finally, let's have a party. But if Phillips is going to be our punt returner, which a lot of people think he is, he could warrant staying next year. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think it's going to be interesting whoever we put back there at punt returner. It feels like for years we've had the boring guy that catches a fair catch or gets two yards on a return. It hasn't cool been if we got a fast. Pac-Man. Exactly. And even when we had Pac-Man, we'd be putting Brandon Tate back there to fair catch because Pac-Man would not fair catch the ball. He refused to. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then... Uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I don't remember which game it was, but the, um, oh, it was a Seahawks game, uh, where he, he, he fair caught it and then said he didn't. Yeah, he said he was blocking the... his eyes or something. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I believe him. He never caught, he had zero fair catches other than that fair catch. Like, I think he did just mess up, like, trying to block the sun. I'll believe That's him. So all right, so let's uh, let's stick with our defensive line. Larry Ogunjobi, late at night on Wednesday night, the Bengals signed Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns. Wow, one-year deal, $6.2 million, 4.6 signing bonus, so a ton of guaranteed money there for a one-year deal. Not surprising, it's a one-year deal. Uh, so he's going to get, how much cash is he going to get? He's going to get $6.2 million in 2021. A little bit of an overpay, but when you're cutting Geno Atkins, it doesn't matter because the, the money's there anyways, and you're signing a direct replacement to Geno Atkins, someone who's gonna, who's younger, who's six years younger, who's going to get a, a lot more snaps than Geno played last year. Now, Ogunjobi, I'll kind of tee up Sandlow because he's a, he'll talk about this. He, he did a great film review for Ogunjobi. I thought it was probably one of his best ones that he's done this week. Um, you, should, you should also check those out. His account's been blowing up. He does a great job with the film reviews. So Ogunjobi is going to get a lot more snaps. He was kind of in and out of the lineup in Cleveland. They weren't really playing him in his normal three-tech position. The Bengals will. Uh, we can guarantee you that he's going to rush the passer. He's going to do fine against the run. And if they re-sign Mike Daniels, we're looking at a very, very, a much deeper IDL room, especially when you when you add Tupo, when you add Ren, guys who missed last year due to opt-outs and injuries, respectively. So this was a great depth signing, but also a guy who's going to start. 
Yeah, uh, the, the surprising thing for me is I've always thought of him as a three-tech, and then I'm watching the Cleveland film, and I already made a post saying, like, he's a three-tech that played out of position last year um, as a one-tech. I'm watching the film, like, oh, my God, they, they just played him as a one-tech. Not completely, but, like, that's where he played the majority of his snaps. I'm like, why? What are you guys doing, even without that injury? You said it was an overpay, and I'm going to disagree just because I think three-techs get paid. Here's the guys around his cap hit. Malik Collins, William Golston, Malcolm Brown, Derek Brown, Ashawn Robinson, Star Lotulele, Dean Lowry, Daquan Jones. <laughs> I'd take Ogunjobi over all those guys. And then Matt Ionitis, <laughs> but that's a super underpay. Matt Ionitis is so good. Uh, Devon Godchow just got paid this year. or uh, Yeah, from the Patriots this offseason. I think Ogunjobi's better. Vernon Butler, Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, then you get to a one tech in Brandon Williams and then in Kadama Kong right. Sue. But at this point, I'm at $8 million of cap hit, which is $2 million more than what we paid Ogan Joby. Okay. So I think from a vacuum, you could be like, yeah, for what he's bringing, this is a little bit of an overpay for how I value that. But I think the NFL values that three tech quite a bit. And we ended up getting him for really cheap money compared to these guys, other than Ionitis, who's still making more than him, $7.25 million. Um, Ogunjobi's, yeah, Ogunjobi's super funny. He's got this club move, uh, which is when you like kind of take your arm and you just kind of slam into the shoulder pad of the offensive lineman. And I couldn't find it because, as you can imagine, I post all these clips. I have a billion clips on my computer, but there was a play against us last year where <laughs> he tries to do the club and he slaps the hell out of Michael Jordan's helmet. And it was a stunt, so he's stunning outside. Then he slaps the hell out of Jonah's helmet. And it was like one of those videos with the guy that slaps, <laughs> just slapping everybody <laughs> just right across <laughs> the face repeatedly. So he's fun, though. He's really strong. Uh, he's inconsistent. But I think... PFF's not the greatest, but I think he was their number one player week one, and then he ended up with a 50 rating, if that gives you an idea of how inconsistent he can be. But he's really fun. I think it's uh, it's an improvement over what we had last year. I still hope we bring Daniels back, because we're probably still going to base out of three down, uh, three, four type defense. So it'd be a really awesome run-stopping unit if it was Hubbard, uh Reader, Ogunjobi, Daniels, and then Hendrickson is kind of the weak point, but... Five down? Wait, five down linemen, you're saying? No, no, no. Three down linemen. I mean, Hendrickson and Hubbard would be stand-up in this. I mean, if they want to go down, I don't really care. So so Daniels is the odd man out there, which is why I'm kind of worried he's not going to resign. Yeah, but but he should be so cheap. And I think the key with defensive line is that you... The one advantage you get with them over offensive line is offensive line have to be on the field every single play. They don't get a break. Your defensive yeah. line get a break. And Hendrickson only played like 50% of snaps in New Orleans, and it wasn't a pass rusher role. They just had somebody sub him in like every other series. And uh, if it went long, then they flipped him out. It's an advantage you can really use. And we used it with Zimmer back like eight, nine years ago. And it was awesome to see okay, uh, Dunlap's tired, here comes Michael Johnson, and Michael Johnson's yeah. still a good player. Or uh, Pecco gets tired, and, um, I don't know, Frosty Rucker comes in <laughs> for a fun name. Uh, just, like, you can keep your best guys fresh if your second unit is still serviceable. Which ours was not last year. Right, I agree with our, you. Because very early in the year, our second unit turned into our first unit. 
Yeah, well, our third unit almost turned to our first unit. We had Gino out, we had Reader out, and then we signed Daniels off the street, and uh, we signed Covington off the street, and those were our starters. Marcus Hunt. Yeah. So Um, when when you're looking, everything looks better because nobody's hurt yet, but honestly, on paper last year, it wasn't as bad as it should have been. There was just a lot of injuries. Yeah, so we want to re-sign Daniels. So... Ogan Joby, the PFF grades, um, before I, I kind of get back to Daniels, he started his rookie year in Cleveland got a 78.4 with 83 against the run. It's gone downhill every year from there, 60, 56, and 53. But he he's shown flashes. It's hard because he hasn't had that many snaps. Uh, only, only 600 last year. And most of those uh, are at uh, nose tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he'll play a three technique. It, it's going to be weird, though, seeing a majority three tech that's not number 97. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I was watching Gino uh, sacked just today while I was waiting for this to start. I was just <laughs> on Game Pass, and you can look up uh, players. And I was right. just watching the broadcast view of Gino sacking everybody. I was like, man, I'm going to miss this. Damn. Yeah, every time the 97 just squeaks through the hole. and Oh, my God. All right. So, what should we go to next? I don't know. While you're stalling, I'm just going to say Geno Atkins has possibly the best bull rush that... Oh, my God, Other yeah. than Aaron Donald, maybe. But Aaron Donald's built the same way. That short defensive tackle. He built the mold for Aaron Donald. That's why Aaron Donald got taken so early. Geno was a fourth rounder because they were like, oh, he's short. And then Geno's like, that's to my advantage. <laughs> he just would drive <laughs> offensive linemen into the quarterback. And Marshall Yanda, he... He was in an interview right after you retired, and uh, he was talking about the bull rush. He said, "Like it's you just die slowly. You're just hopping back. <laughs> it's like I can't stop this, but I can just try to die slowly instead of letting him get right through." Right, which is awesome oh. to hear from a Hall of Fame guard. I totally forgot. We got Riley Reef. Let's talk about Riley Reef. Um, that was big. That was fun. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, and then the Bengals were visiting with Riley Reef, and then they signed Riley Reef a day later. So now. A lot of people are confused by what this does because they're, they 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 feel like Sewell's locked in, and I think he is too. But you, but you can't not sign a talented offensive lineman because of what you think they're going to do a month from now in the draft. They need to just need to sign good linemen, and Riley Reef on a one year deal with a a second year void year, so it could go two years, probably won't, but. Riley Reef on a one-year deal, whether you whether you draft Sewell or not, that's a good move because this team needs offensive linemen. They got their offensive linemen. They're gonna get a guard. I think I, we hope it's gonna be Trey Turner. Sounds like it very well might be based on what he's doing on Twitter, liking every single Bengals post. But this move was productive. It was a it was good value. He's a good player. He only allowed one sack last year in like 700 pass blocking or 700 snaps. And he's going to come in and be an upgrade over Bobby Hart immediately. And this takes our offensive line from terrible to less terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's um, moved from bottom three to bottom ten. Uh, it's still not good. Like, it's not terrible anymore. Like, we shouldn't be a laughing stock of an offensive line this year if we do nothing else, basically, besides maybe bring back Spain and have Xavier Suofilo and Hopkins right. is healthy. Like, our bookend tackles are okay. At pass block, but that's so that's also assuming we don't go Sewell at five. Yeah, no, I'll uh, so Reef is uh, 
we all have opinions when we're going into something, and I have opinions when I'm going into film watch. And I thought Minnesota they helped him out a ton with because uh, the wide zone system, what it does for your offensive linemen is that there's going to be pass blocking snaps where really you're just horizontally run blocking, and it's a naked. It's what that be fake the outside zone quarterbacks rolling right with no protection out there, but uh, it gets your offensive line a break. We did it a few times. Not super successfully, but we did it. Sure. Um, so I was thinking, like, oh, he's probably he probably got a lot of help with this and that. No, he was on an island a lot of the time. Uh, it was cool to see. He's a better pass protector than even I thought, and I thought he was pretty good. So I think he's a damn good pass protector. And uh, he played right tackle for Detroit in 2016. I watched a game of him against Ryan Kerrigan, who's an all-time underrated 2010s as rusher. I think he's so good. And right. he held his own on an island. Like, he got beat really bad one time. <laughs> he got thrown to the ground. But other than that, he's... And the thing about it is that for offensive line people, which there might be two people listening that understand what I'm going to talk about here, he's a two-hand puncher, which is what you don't really want coming out. Uh, Liam Eichenberg is also... H each I don't know whatever his name is he's for Notre Dame he's also a two hand puncher and Brandon Thorne actually comped him to Riley Reef. Uh, it's not really what you want. It's the old school way of pass blocking where you're going to shoot both your hands out at the same level simultaneously. What you want now is what Willie Anderson and Paul Alexander kind of started doing in the early 2000s, where you have a low hand and a high hand. And the reason that you want that is because one move can take out both your hands when you two hand punch. But it's hard to take out both hands when one's when they're on different levels coming at different times. So that's something that uh, normally it's a disadvantage. But Reef is really good at it. And teams like elite edge rushers know he's a two-hand puncher and they're going to try to swipe, which is the number one move I would use if I was an edge rusher and I knew this guy was a two-hand puncher. Shaq Barrett, Zadarius Smith, and back then Ryan Kerrigan all tried to swipe him. And he does this move where he, he brings him back. He I don't know if it's a film study. He knows on the third step, this guy likes to throw out his move or something. But he just anticipates these swipes and everything so well that uh, once they throw it out, he's, his hands go back and then he grips into him. And he's got really good grip strength and uh, hand placement and uh, timing to punch them. And then once you get them, they're locked up because he understands his leverage and he has great grip strength. So he's a really good pass protector as a run blocker. He's not going to drive a guy off the screen or blow up a linebacker, but he'll seal his side. He'll get some horizontal displacement Um, fits great into a wide zone system where the running back is going to pick his hole based off of how the blocks are going and not, a gap power where I'm going a gap, whether or not we do this well. Um, so, and Frank Pollock is most likely bringing this wide zone system. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it is our system until I see it, but everybody's saying that's what he's going to bring to us. So he fits the system probably, and he's a really good pass protector. Uh, it's, it's going to be a vast improvement over Bobby Hart. And now with him and Jonah, I think you are at the point where, we have our bookend tackles. Uh, now, we could take Sewell and Reef even played guard back at Iowa. And Jonah played guard at Alabama. And I'm sure Sewell could play guard <laughs> because even if he, especially if you just keep him on the left side, um, 
I'm sure any of them could play guard. Really, what you want to do is get your five best offensive linemen, figure out their positions later to me. Yep. Uh, lots of stuff on, on, on Reef there. We'll have more throughout the weeks. We're going to we're gonna add all the boys to this show. This is a quick episode. Need, needed to get one out. Talk some free agency. Jay, Blake, hopefully Braden. We're all going to record sometime this week. So expect more content here from the Who Day Talk podcast. For all of us here at the Who Day Talk podcast, that's all we have for you guys this episode. Thank you for listening. I am Jake Circus, joined alongside Mike Bengals-Sands. You guys have a good one. We'll see you next time. Who Day. Who Day. Alrighty, sweet. Um, I didn't know we were ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got about 25 minutes. No quick episode. There's only two of us, though. So. Okay, yeah. so how? Okay, so stop recording. <laughs>